hello and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together with me, Brian O'Sullivan, and Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. This is our Christmas special and it's a special wee treat for you. My guest this week is the wonderful David Tennant. As you probably know, I'm working with David at the moment on Macbeth at the Donmar Warehouse and uh, I was delighted that he agreed instantly to, to come on the podcast and we had a good old chat. Um, and as you can imagine, it's no different from any other episode in the sense that we just talk about what fascinates us, you know, what why we do what we do, about theatre, about TV, um, and what drives us, really. Um, doubts, fears, and ambitions, you know, trying to make this our job, all the same stuff I've always talked about. Um, and, and a little bit about Shakespeare, about verse, and, and, and getting meaning from Shakespeare, and things like that. So it's a great, great wee chat that we had, and uh, I thought it might make a nice little christmas episode for you so i hope you're well i hope you're having a nice relaxing time whatever you do i was thinking today that a lot of the media and messaging at the moment is get back be with your family etc etc and i suppose i wanted to say i hope you're doing whatever it is that makes you feel happy and comfortable at this time if you've got some time off work then i hope you're spending it in a way that works for you um it may well be that you want to be on your own, and I hope that's beautiful for you. Um, and if you're with people, I hope that they're the people that you want to be with. And if they're not, I hope you can find some peace in that somehow. Maybe you can bring something positive to it, um, where maybe there might be the possibility for negativity or arguments or these things. Maybe you can be the positive one. That's what I try and do. When I'm at my best, I've, I can't say I do it all the time. Um but I think, you know, what if I was the piece in this bit um, so that I'm adding something good rather than adding more carry-on? There's my little bit of festive, I don't know if you would call it advice. Um, we ran on a fair bit chatting, so I won't keep you. I just, I'm dying for you to hear this episode with David. Um, as I've probably mentioned already, he's an absolute joy to work with. Um, a down-to-earth, normal person um, who's super talented and had a great career and... Um, I think it's an example to all of us that you don't need to have any pretension about you. There's no um, need ever to not be a nice person. Um, David is the perfect example of that. And we even talk about that. Um, and I want to tell you that because because it's good news. The good news is David Tennant, as you can probably imagine from seeing him on telly and seeing him in interviews, is a dead nice guy and really normal. And I think that that's... It's cool to to see in real life, and it's something worth hanging on to. Um, it's possible to be both a really nice person and easy to work with, and then super successful at what you do. Um, I suppose it, it means there's hope for all of us. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed chatting to David, and I'm looking forward to you hearing it. Before I bring you to that, I'll just remind you that I'd love you to support the show in any way you can, by following us on social media, Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, on Facebook, it's Putting It Together. Um, if you just search that, you'll find us. And if you can afford to give us a wee donation, it just goes towards keeping up the website and all those necessary costs that are involved in running this show. You can do that by going to puttingittogethercast.com and clicking on donate. Puttingittogethercast.com is the website. Click on the donate button and you can give us a quid or you can give us a tenner or whatever you can afford. And if not, just keep listening. As I always say, I'd rather have your ears than your money. So thanks very much for listening, for giving us a great year of it. And uh, enjoy this episode with David Tennant. He's my guest. He's with me and we are Putting It Together. have researched you've researched I've, I've, I've done two I've listened to two of your episodes have you yeah. which ones well I thought which which of my mates have you done yeah of course so yeah. I listened to Alan McHugh oh lovely uh, and uh, who have we started yeah okay we, <laughs> people say that because this is gold <laughs> no no they, they love all this because uh, so I listened to Alan McHugh mm-hmm. who I was at drama school with and uh, of course, he, it's it starts, and you 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 you're talking to him like he's a sort of grand old man of the theatre, which obviously I find hilarious. <laughs> and then That's just Alan, right? Yeah, and then uh, uh, and then of course he says, "Well, well, I have been in the business thirty-two years." Oh, and I thought that means I've been in the business thirty-two years. Makes you feel old, eh? Well, I think. 
think it proves that I am. I don't think it even. I mean, <laughs> it's not about feeling. No, it's no. not even about feeling. But Alan's a lot older than me, so he's proper geriatric. Oh yeah, he's old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll love to hear he's that. Proper old well. And what other one did you just pick? And then I knew. I listened to Noof. Oh today. right. Oh great. Okay. While I was wrapping Christmas presents. Oh, we just recorded that yesterday. In this very room. Right here. Yeah, the, yeah, the seat yeah. is still warm. I know, right? He's some boy, isn't he? Oh, I mean, yeah. That's yeah. He's he's been on a journey, hasn't he? He has, and he's so yeah. clear about wh- where he's going and stuff. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got he's got a good head on his shoulders, isn't he? What was that? Were you like that when you were starting out? Did no. you have a clear idea what you wanted to do? <laughs> oh, I had a clear idea what I wanted to do. Well, I had a, I always knew I wanted to be an actor. Right from very young. From ludicrously young. Right. Okay. Preposterously young. Too young to really have known what that meant. Yeah. Same. Like three or four. Okay. Because of what? Because of watching Doctor Who. No way. So you're like Noof in the sense that it kind of came full circle for you as well. Yeah. Because he watched Star Wars and was obsessed. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. Wow. One of my very earliest memories. I've told this story a lot. And when I really break it down, especially now having children um, of the age that I realise I was, it does seem very unlikely. But I was three, Mm. maybe four if there was like a repeat. But I saw John Pertwee turning into Tom Baker. Okay. And thought that was the most brilliant thing I'd ever seen. Cool. And that prompted a conversation about what actors were. Yeah, yeah. Which does seem weirdly precocious at that tiny age to really be able to... But I remember from an early age having a very clear sense of uh, reality and the fictional world and being finding that fictional sort of representation of things very exciting and... um, Obviously, I'm rationalising this in a in an adult way, but that that really appealed to me. Did you? I mean, what was reality like? Was it? Did you want to sort of get away from it? Was it dull, or was it? No, it was completely fine. It was a very uh, secure, happy family life. Mum mm-hmm. and dad, and a brother and a sister, and and uh, my dad was a minister in the Church of Scotland, mm-hmm. so we lived in the manse. Right, right. So you know, we had a nice house. We didn't pay for it, but we had a nice house. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, everything was, you know, the, the, I had very little to complain about. I don't sure. know where it came from other than just, I like the idea. Just the fascination of it. And as I grew up, it, it remained a, a, a tenacious idea with mm-hmm. me. And I suppose I, as it developed, I got more into it rather than it being, you know, a, a passing yeah, a passing fancy. And then did you seek out ways to do that or was it just all make believe and stuff around? Yeah, a lot of make believe in the garden. I mean I didn't know we didn't I didn't know actors. I didn't we didn't have I mean I suppose a, a, a minister has a, an element of a performance sure, to yeah. what they do. So I suppose I was witnessing that. The costume and the theatre. Co- dressing up, yeah, the yeah. declamatory nature. Sure. And my dad was very my dad was a performer. Right. So he had a bit of theatre about him, for sure. Oh, cool. Uh, so I certainly enjoyed that. My granny used to go round um, uh, entertaining old folks. I mean, she was an old folk herself. Uh, yeah, but she used that. to get, her and Betty Bowles, they used to get dressed up and go round old folks' homes and do song and dance routines. What do you mean dressed up? They had a little hamper full of sort of fancy <laughs> dresses and stuff. And, they and the woman's name was Betty Bowles. Betty Bowles. That's a great name. Uh, and Jeanette MacDonald. And they would go round and they would uh, they'd entertain the old folks in old folks' homes. That's brilliant. See, my, they can't have been much younger than them. No, that's the funny thing. Like, my, my great aunt was old and she was involved in the Legion of Mary, which was a sort of a recruiting drive for the Catholic Church. Oh, type. I mean, I'm probably right. misrepresenting it, but they they went to meetings and then they went round the doors. The Legion of Mary. It's Legion. terrifying. Yeah. Mary's man. army. Mary's <laughs> army. But Come yeah, she was you. like going around and going, oh, these poor old people, you know, and she went to old folks' homes. She went to, she visited people in hospital, like who didn't have anyone coming to visit them and all that. Right, and she yeah. to those, these poor old people, and yeah. I thought you're an old lady. I know, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so there, yeah, there were sort of pockets of theatricality, but there weren't any actors. It certainly wasn't. I didn't really know what you did. So when did you get on a stage then? It's, I mean, what there was at school, I would do. Yeah. Or, or uh, in primary school, we had a teacher called Alan McLean who used to write musicals for the school. Right, right. And uh, he wrote one called Gypsum's Journey about a goblin that went to the mortal world. And he was called Gypsum. The the goblin was called Gypsum, yeah, and uh, like sheetrock, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and they they were all called one of them was called Topaz, one of them was called you can see a theme, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Amethyst, love it. Uh, and I played Gypsum in Gypsum's Journey, 
So which was probably the first time I had a sort of... Leading role, I love it. A leading role. <laughs> I, I remember a lot of being told, it's not the leading part. The lead part is, what was he called? Alan Hewitt played it. Soft Sam, I think he was called. And he went around with a butterfly net and I got caught in his butterfly net. Oh, so they were at pains to remind you that you were not he, playing the lead. I mean, it was a Scottish Presbyterian bear yeah. pit, wasn't it? Don't, don't, don't start thinking you're yeah, special. No, absolutely. Don't, oh. You might have a, you might have the role that's in the title, but don't think that means nothing. <laughs> Back in your box. Absolutely. A lot of that. See, what I did was, if I got a small role, I tried to make a meal of it so that it was, it became. Right. You know, I tried to steal the show if I right, could. Right, right, right. Get the biggest laugh or something. Well, I mean, that's that's what you do, yeah, right? We're all still doing that. <laughs> we're all still we? playing at that game. <laughs> <laughs> so then, did you did you still keep watching Doctor Who? Were you like a Who, a proper? Oh, I've who never fan? stopped. You're I mean, all, it still? stopped for a while, but I didn't stop. No, I, it, it was it was a I was a proper, mm-hmm. and I am a, a very deep Whovian. Well, I wondered about that because, if, you know, joining a franchise like that, is it, can we call it a franchise? Is that allowed? I think we probably can. I mean... I don't know what you call it. I think it is a, a it's universe. A, yes, it's a franchise. But but how, do, I mean, there must be people who join that and do work in that area who aren't as obsessive. And I yeah. always think that must be difficult because it's a whole world and, you know, you get taken on by the fans and what if you didn't, weren't really involved in that beforehand? It must be odd. I think you, I think you learn quite quickly. But I think also you can be defined by like Catherine Tate is is uh, uh, who who I worked on Doctor Who with mm-hmm. is very much not from that world and that because in a way that almost becomes sort of part of the fun of it that she's going I don't know what any of this what any of this means just get on with it but um, it's like us naming footballers in the dressing room the other yes, night yes yes you just exactly. you make a laugh out of it. I was doing. I was trying my best, Brian. No, no. It, I'm just saying it was funny. It, <laughs> but it's it no funny because my than, knowledge was so poor. Well, yeah, I started it, but you know, yeah. you did all right. You got in a role. That's the thing. Once you got to ten, you actually kept going. We are in a dressing room with with some lads, 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 lads. And I've never really, I've never really been one of the lads, lads, lads. <laughs> but it's nice trying to pretend to be. It's nice just to put on that costume for a moment. <laughs> exactly. Was that a yeah. thing at school? Not being one of the lads. Not really. I mean, I. I it wasn't something that I've ever felt the lack of. Right. But I've never been in... Sport's never really done it for me. Do you watch is, any sport now? I watch a bit. Of, I, I enjoy Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose... Yes, I think I like more of the sort of one-on-one. I quite like the darts. I quite oh, like I bowls. Bowls. Betty bowls. Betty bowls. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not... I don't spend a lot of time in front of the sports channel. No, no. You, but... Uh, yeah, but certainly growing up, especially in in West of Scotland, football is the currency among among males, isn't it? Well, it's to to the point where if you're not interested, it can be odd. It can be problematic. Yeah, it was. Although for me, there's definitely. also, it, it, but it, I, it, it was also I found it quite convenient to remove yourself because it gets into sectarianism weirdly quickly. It's especially so strange. Yeah, and the violence. I don't think it's as bad as it once was, but certainly no. when I was growing up. Depends on the date of the year. I mean, yes, it was certainly that. It, so I mean, early it's not gone July, away. It goes a bit nuts. It's not gone away. But but when I was you know a kid in the seventies and eighties, it was fierce. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was definitely scared of it all, mm. and it was easier just to not be part of it. Yeah, but theatre was like a comfortable place where all my pals were. Yes, like I suppose. That. Yeah, although I never really thought of it that way. I just I just knew I wanted to, to do it. Right, right. Um, and uh, I I knew there was a drama thing called drama school. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, if I go there. Then that'll that's how you do it, isn't it? Isn't that that's what you do? Sure. I, I, so I just followed that fairly kind of straightforward route. I don't. I might have struggled if I had to. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't have references for what you did otherwise. Sure. So you went to the drama school that you knew about, which was in Glasgow. I did. I did. I'd yeah. gone there for. I'd, I'd managed to go to Saturday morning classes um, right. when I was a teenager, so I knew a bit about what was then called the RSAMD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is now the Scottish Conservatoire, but uh, was the RSMD there? And I auditioned for that when I was uh, in my fifth year. Right, early on. Yeah. Then. Did you want to be Doctor Who? Did you know you wanted to be Doctor Who at that point? <laughs> it, I, um, it wasn't really something I genuinely imagined was on offer. Sure. Was I it a pipe dream, of, though? Uh, I mean, while I was at drama school, it got cancelled. Oh, I suppose that doesn't help. So I didn't. I wasn't really pursuing it as a yeah. as a, a very uh, alive uh, alive notion. Mm. And then when it did come back, I just wanted to sort of be in it, I just, just to be involved. To, just yeah. to have said I was part of it. It yeah. wasn't really a realistic 
uh, goal. Yeah. But then how long did you do in it once you did go in? Doctor Who? I did three full series and then a bunch of specials. Yeah. Uh, so it sort of all, it spread over five years. And then I and then recently I did a, a, a few, few back. More. Yeah. Yeah. But it must have changed the landscape of your career, you know. Yeah. Amazingly. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, only because it makes you, it makes you ubiquitous. Yes. And that's, um, and that's, it, 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 and a particularly a show like that, it has a particular kind of reach and appeal, which is sort of cross-generational. Sure is, yeah, um, and it's part of the culture. Yeah. So, so it makes you kind of public property mm. on quite a sort of deep level. Now, that must be challenging in itself. Well, it's, listen, there are a lot of huge privileges about it. Yeah. Of course there are, and there's lots of lovely things about that. But it's not something you can be prepared for. Mm. Um, uh, it feels, it, it looks like it might be an empowering thing, and actually it can be quite a, it can be quite a, <clears throat> it can come with a lot of anxiety and a lot of, it, yeah. losing that anonymity is takes a bit of getting used to, and you don't really get, they don't have lessons on that in drama school. No, I guess you're just hit with it. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I don't know who... I, I, I was very fortunate that on my first year on Doctor Who, I was with Billy Piper, who right. had had a sort of trial by fire of yeah. uh, being a, uh, being regarded as public property since she was very young. Yeah. And she was sort of battle-hardened. So sure, I... Sure. I owe a lot of my survival to just being around Billy and, right. know, and 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 learning from her about how to sort of protect yourself a bit. It seems like there's a lot of kind of necessary creeping around, almost like not creeping around, but like trying trying to just do things quickly and under the radar. You know, if you need to get somewhere or do something yeah, necessary, you get used to moving quite quickly. And right. uh, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm complaining about it because it's a, it's churlish uh, and. Uh, and frankly, dry your eyes. You know, it's a wonderful, <laughs> it's a wonderful privilege. Of but, course, of course. But yeah, there is you, you. You do have to accept that you're losing a, a a layer of skin, as it were. But then it's what's so interesting about it is that people come out of that show and then are able to do anything else. Mm. It doesn't sort of hang over them in the way that other very clean, uh, clear parts do with other shows. Maybe I think that yeah. I don't know if that was always the case. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I'm perhaps fortunate to be in a time where uh, that idea of being typecast has sort of has sort of moved on. Do you think, think that's just fallen away in general? I, yeah. I, I, well, it's certainly Doctor Who certainly opened more doors for me than it closed. So that's great. It, it's allowed me opportunities that I would never have had otherwise. Mm. Just because, I guess maybe the, the way our industry is now, there's a there's a lot of stock in. Uh, coming with some sort of recognizability or something i mean you know i mean yeah. there's there's a lot of stuff around so things mm. that that help projects to kind of cut through the noise yeah, is helpful so. and i guess if you if you can be part of that uh you know part of if if you can if if your presence contributes something sort of yeah. um, to that then it then it's I don't know. Listen, it's been it, it's it's only been a positive for me. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you say, it it gives you an opportunity to do things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Well, definitely you wouldn't otherwise yeah, get. I think so. Um, where does Shakespeare figure in all this? Because you 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 were doing that certainly before all all the yeah. notoriety of the telly and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I was at the RSC um, ninety. 96, something like that. Which is, I mean. Lifetimes ago, that's now. a long time ago. Were you long were you known then, like on the no. telly and things? No, no, no. Right. I just auditioned. Okay, auditioned. right. I, I, in fact, I was at, uh, I was at Dundee Rep doing the Glass Menagerie, and Richard Barron had to let me have a day off to no. come down south to audition for the RSC. Gosh, wow. Um, and uh, uh, so that was the first time I did Shakespeare professionally, which was as you like it. And were you part of the rep ensemble at that time? Was there a rep ensemble? Yeah, so right. we did three plays. I was in three, uh, there were sort of four slots and, and you'd be in 
well, you, you, some people were just in one. Mm-hmm. They were very grand. Some people were in two, but I was, you know, <laughs> I was entry level. So I was in three out of four, which, which means you were you were uh, on most nights doing something. But in rep, which I, I absolutely loved. There's just barely any of it left. And barely any of it. I don't know if anyone, does Pit Lockery still do it? Uh, Pit Lockery still does it, yeah. That's about it. Because the RSE tend not to now. The National Theatre tend not to now. No, that's even the last few years. And, yeah. the, and the rep itself doesn't. Because it's expensive and it's difficult. And it's mm. easier to just programme straight runs of things, I suppose. So uh, I feel very lucky. I did two of those rep seasons with the RSE. Wow. Oh, three, really. Because, yeah, Hamlet was part of our rep season too. So, um, yeah, that idea that you can do one play in the afternoon and a different one in the evening. It's great. I love it. What an amazing buzz that must amazing. be. Amazing. Yeah. I think the only other thing, the thing I wouldn't be so keen on is the under-rehearsing, is the rehearsing all day for one thing and then still having to do a full yes. show at night. Yes. Yeah. There were moments, the second season I did with the RSC where I had, I had lovely parts, but it did, and I, again, I was in, I was in three shows. So I, there are still some of the most exhausted moments of my life. I can remember I had this little uh, um, apartment that I was staying in just outside Stratford. Um, and I remember having to go through this process to wake up every day because it was, I was so <laughs> battered. Just to get Absolutely out of bed. Absolutely battered, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was young. I could do it. I could do that then. I know. You, it, I mean, it does kind of creep up on you. Like, I'm, what am I, 38? And I'm, I do already feel like, gosh, I, you know, I'm not as young as I was. Well, I mean, that's just factually accurate, Brian. Well, that's very true. We just have to accept it, don't we? Yeah, it's weird though, isn't it? I don't feel it though. I don't? I don't really, no. Well, that's good. You're quite fit and healthy though, aren't you? I don't know. You seem to be. I mean... You don't seem to tire. (laughs) Or you don't let on. Is that what it is? You just don't mention it. lies. (laughs) You put on a good show. I've had quite a few kids. I'm used to surviving on very little sleep. Right, right. Yeah. Right. What was your process then for this Macbeth? I mean, I noticed that you came in and you you had already obviously done a lot of work when we started. Well, I'd learned a lot of the words. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I had process beyond I don't know it's so hard to talk about acting isn't it you just sound masturbatory very quickly I mean I've been doing this podcast for six sure, years so, so sure. you got a rough idea it's I've sat across some people talking process. about it it makes my bum go funny just talking about process 20 pence 50 pence <laughs> um, but I mean let's okay take away the word process but how did you get ready for doing it? it's a big part right and it's very emotionally taxing I just I didn't really do much more than learn the words. But in learning the words, you, of course, are making decisions. And, of course, you're joining the thoughts up and you're having uh, things are occurring to you. It's beginning to sort of... You, you, as the actor, are beginning to meet the text somewhere in the middle. You're, you're, you know, they'll, they'll be... Obviously, you try and be as much of a blank canvas for the first day of rehearsals as you can be. But the act of learning the lines, is, I find, is often where you kind of make a lot of your decisions and we well, have to understand it to learn you have to it, understand really. it particularly with shakespeare because you're there's an element of translation isn't there the, the text mm. is 400 years old there are some words that don't make sense and there are uh things that you you it, i think the sort of single biggest job that an actor has particularly on a shakespeare on anything but particularly with shakespeare or with a classical text is making it explicable yep. first of all to yourself and then hopefully through that communicating that to an audience but that's that, and the act of learning it is where you do that uh, and that's where you make a lot of the decisions and a lot of the time you're doing that I think quite instinctively it's not necessarily poured over particularly um, mm. it, it just sort of starts to occur um, yeah. and, and you start to make connections without even realising you're making connections sometimes I think for me the defining characteristic of your performance is, is how you make us able to understand what you're saying. Oh well, that's good. That's uh, that's which for that, me is dead exciting. And well, and for me that be. would be that would be sort of. I kind of think with a play like this, as long as you can do that, everything else takes care of itself. Right? I totally agree. I mean, you can make other decisions and you yeah. can try stuff. And of course, like on a technical level, we've got the ability to do things differently. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but but it, it's certainly you as the actor. Obviously, you know the director's going to decide where it's set and what it looks like, and mm-hmm. and you know on this particular production we're we're doing interesting things with sound and and that's been very exciting to work within that world but that that's sort of his job mm, um yeah. and your job is just to sort of make sense of it and and make that as fully rounded a person as you can and 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 make it sound like these are words that, that are coming out your mouth today rather than 
yeah. through a textbook. How does that sort of intersect with the idea of the verse? Like, does that does that trip you up? Does it help you? I'm always quite interesting kind of in this play because it's quite it's a relatively late play, mm-hmm. so he's he's being quite cheeky with the verse. Right, it's a bit fast and loose with the yeah. old rules there. But well, yeah, but also that he 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 almost always. In this, the thoughts don't end on the end of a verse line. Mm-hmm. We're going to get quite spotty now, aren't we, if Do we it. start talking Do about it. this? Uh, we're assuming your listeners have a vague notion of what we're talking about. Oh, Do I it. batter on about this stuff all the time. Yeah, well, fine then. Um, they can like our lump. But in some of the earlier plays, that you know, the thoughts are quite... A thought changes between lines. Sure. In, in Macbeth, it often changes in the middle of a line. Mm. And if you're being loyal to that idea of the iambic pentameter and that a line is sort of delivered in gobbits of of these five beats and that you don't really hang around then you've got to do all the thought changes in them as you go mm-hmm. and then also find slightly odd ways to suspend those thoughts over the line endings yeah because there's no change yeah yeah uh so so you i i found that sort of quite interesting because mm. you kind of think well then what what how could you do this how how what, what does that do? If you honour the idea of the five beats in the line and, and, and only pausing at the end of a line mm. um, and at least pausing for a second at the end of the line, even if it's in the middle of a thought, how does that... It makes it quite interesting. It makes it, I think, quite, sound quite spontaneous at times. Yeah, I've noticed that. And I, I think I noticed you probably doing more of it at the beginning as you were maybe sussing it out. Sussing it out, and also at the beginning, you're very—you've just learned it. So you're very aware of how those lines are on the page. You've probably seen it in your head, aren't you? You've seen it in your head. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's quite useful, interesting, to play with that and be very rigidly acknowledge the, for want of a better word, rules. Yeah, sure, sure. And then see what sticks. See what interesting things that throws up that you might want to hang on to. And then other times just sort of go, oh, I'm just going to run that line all together because I can't make sense of it otherwise. <laughs> the one that always sticks in my head is, uh, well, I can't quote exactly, but can it be good, can it be ill, if ill. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I remember hearing it for the first time and going, oh, gosh, you, you have to, we don't have to, but you can stop there. Yeah. But it's not the end of the thought. It's, the, it's actually, it's, it's not the, the comma. Thought, but quite interesting if it's in the middle of a thought and you suddenly have a pause. If what does that do to it? Yeah. It's like you stop to think about it exactly, or something. Yeah. So it does yeah. throw up those interesting yeah. possibilities. So I've got, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, it's great to watch. And it's it's for me, it's almost the most exciting rehearsal processes with a Shakespeare because you're mm. just digging and digging and there's just always more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there are bits that are still, you're going to go, oh, that's what that means. Oh, every I night. Thought I thought I'd figured that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe it means that. You just have to be careful not to let on visually in your face. Are you, oh, that's oh, wait. it. <laughs> oh, sorry, everyone. I just got this. Oh, so Banco's dead. Okay, okay. I get yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's Banco's ghost. I'm saying, I'm so sorry. Can stop, we go again? Stop the whole thing. Yeah. Sorry, folks. <laughs> so take me a wee bit back before the Dundee rep years. How did you end up there? How did I end up at Dundee Rep? Yeah, yeah. Um, We're kind of jumping back and forward. Well, my first job at a drama school was with, was with 784. Right. Anderson and uh, No, uh, um, David Heyman's 784. Oh, right, was, right. Uh, he was still in charge, although I don't think I even met him. I think he came to one show. He was sort of on his way to other things. Rowanna Ben directed it, who now, right. who now is a very highfalutin TV producer. She's never given me another job since, uh, if you're listening, Rowanna. Um, <sighs> Unlikely. But, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, she now produces things like Dr. Foster and shows like that. Oh, gosh. Um, but Rowanna Ben was a was a theatre director and she, it was a little group of six or eight of us who toured Scotland in a van doing the Resistible Rise of our tour at UWE. You did UWE? Yeah. Who were you in that? I was Jiri. Ah, oh, amazing. And like 19 other parts. Of course, yeah. 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 Uh, Tom McGovern was Arturo E. I did it with the rep. Did you? Yeah, at the same time as Lenny Henry was doing it here. At I the was Dormar, doing it, yeah. I was doing it in community centres in and around Dundee. Mm. Yeah. What did you play? Ui. Did you? A piano playing Ui. Posh. We had a piano on wheels and it moved around. It was part of the set and I would play as it was getting wheeled around and stuff. It's cool. Who directed that? Joe Douglas. Right. Who was in charge of the rep at the time. Right. When Jemima was on... Um, maternity leave. Okay. Joe did a year and he did some amazing stuff. Did you like it? 
loved it. Did you? I was talking to Benny about it the other night about the the verse in it and the, just the joy of it. Yeah. And it's full of Shakespeare references yeah. as well. Oh, absolutely. A lot of Richard the Third in there. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then you hear those phrases in other places and you go, wow. Yeah. And it was a great um, translation, but I can't remember. Sort of a well-known later translation. Uh, there was a name that, but yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's funny to think that that old Lenny was doing it at the same time here. Yeah. You know, it's a great play. Yeah, it is a great play. Our production got absolutely battered. Did it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Everyone thought it was awful. I thought it was great. I still think it was great. Yeah, it got the worst reviews of anything. That was in the days when I read reviews. Um, <laughs> I soon learnt that with the the hard way. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I did, I did stuff with 784, but uh, Dundee Rep came about, I think, specifically because Hamish Glenn, mm. who was uh, then the artistic director of Dundee Rep, had directed me at drama school. So ah, I think that's how that came about. Right, okay. And Hugh Hodger, who was at the Royal Lyceum at the time, had directed. So I got two jobs at a drama school. He was at um, the Lyceum, right? Because I, okay. I went to the Lyceum before I went to Dundee. Right, and there was a company at the Lyceum at the time? No. No, just No, I just did it. I, I did sort of... Separate shows. What know, shows did you do at Lyceum? At Lyceum, the first one was Shinda the Magic Ape, a Christmas spectacular. Oh, right. Yes. You know that famous pantomime. <laughs> it's uh, not one that I've come across It's yet. not one you've, no. But I'm young, you One know. of those Stuart Patterson uh, right, right. opuses. Because he used to do them at the Lyceum he used to a do lot. Them. Yeah. But I think, I think I'm right in saying, I mean, we're going back now, because as we have established, I'm terribly old. Oh, um, I think that was his first original story. Right. And it was about an ape that escaped from a zoo. Mm-hmm. And I was... Like the kid, you know, the sort yep. of, uh, I mean, I was I was 20 years old, so I, I had yep. a baseball cap on and I talked in a high voice and windmilled <laughs> my arms around. And Seamus Gubbins. Remember Seamus Gubbins? No, but I really wish I did. That's she- one of the best names <laughs> I've ever Gubbins, heard. Seamus Gubbins, who I was, I was also, he was, he'd been a couple of years above me at drama school and he was enjoying a moment of some celebrity at the time because uh-huh. he was on a very famous advert oh. uh, for that's how famous they are. Not that famous, for, yeah. What was it for? I think it might have been for beer or something. Anyway, he was very handsome, Seamus. Oh, I'm right. sure he still is, Seamus, if you're listening. Very, very handsome. And there was a famous advert at the time uh, to uh, Caledonia. Let me tell you that I love yeah, you. Yeah. For, so it must have been for Tenants Lager or something. Anyway, this very big TV commercial. The Tenants was back in the days when a TV commercial made you famous. And mm. Seamus was the handsome Heelander. Right. Seamus was Irish. Oh. <laughs> so they got him. For uh, the Shinda the Magic Ape, and then realised, well, if he's Irish, so I had to be Irish. No, no, I was, because of him. Yeah. <laughs> what, like yeah. Southern? Well, I was sort of copying Seamus. Just I whatever think. he was doing. It was, it was Southern Irish, yeah. I don't know how good it was. I mean, I didn't remember getting any dialect lessons. I just remember having going, you can't marry the witch. I remember I had to say that. <laughs> And I had to uh, cycle onto the Lyceum stage. And in rehearsals, Shinda the Magic Ape broke my finger. Um, uh, not their fault. It was just a rehearsal. Like Eddie Britton played Shinda the Magic Ape in a full outfit. We got the guy who'd done... Oh, what was it? Oh, God. I'm literally turning into one of those old actors. I need to ring the anecdote belt to shut me up. Um, uh, Greystoke. Greystoke. Do you remember Greystoke, the movie Greystoke no, about Tarzan? Oh, right had people playing apes got you and the guy that did that oh my god i mean this is I, this is why i need to research these things that come with notes anyway he came and <laughs> and trained up eddie uh to be an ape right so he was in this sort of very hyper realistic ape suit and he had oh these extendable goodness. metal arms and he would he would leap around on them it was a really really oh. remarkable wow Anyway, at one point in rehearsals, he was obviously practicing with his metal arms and he came galloping across the stage toward me as he was supposed to do. And I didn't get my hand out of the way in time. And it, and it, and it, you can still see that finger. See that finger's bent up Oh, wow. Me. That was Shinda the Magic Ape. Um, <laughs> uh, we wear the battle scars. So you know. because of that, I had this, for the first, pretty much the whole run, I had a big thing on my finger. Right. And I had to come on my mountain on a mountain bike onto the Lyceum stage trying to break at the right time but my finger didn't work Your obviously finger so it was, sticky. that was terrifying that was the scariest bit with the whole thing not and a going rake off the, fr- the license yeah. got a big rake not going off the front of the stage on my mountain bike was the hardest bit wow how did we get into this I don't know but let me tell you the, la- the, the one of the first time actually that I worked at the Lyceum Max directed me and we Max Webster Max of Webster, Macbeth yeah, of Macbeth fame and we teched uh, a bit of rolling out a green carpet of gra- fake grass 
without checking that it fit the space properly. We sort of rushed into the moment of rolling oh, it out with oh. full light. And one of the actors fell off the stage. Oh, and it was because there was a little square cut out downstage left for treads. So if right. you think, like, if, if it was a big square of green grass, the very top left-hand corner, or the bottom left-hand corner, actually just covered the gap where the treads were, right. like a trap door. And the person rolled it out, stood on top of it, oh. and crashing down the treads. Oh so I'm just thinking of that Lyceum rake and the many the many yeah. times I've run down it. And yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I didn't fall off the edge. Oh, but I was goodness. But every, just the finger. Every night, or not every night, because it was a Christmas show, so three times a day we did it. Did you do three shows a day? We did, not, ev- not every no, day, no, no, but, but we but certainly did a few three-show days, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot, but you know, I was 20, I just was laughing the time of my life. Ugh, you're just having a great old time. Having a great old time. You think you've died and gone to heaven uh, when yeah, you get a job of course in theatre at that age. Yeah. What other place did you do at the Lyceum? I did Merlin, which was a German expressionistic thing by a guy called Tancred Dorst. Good gracious. I know. Yeah. A sort of, it was it was a German play that was nine hours long or something. They split it into two and did it in two, who adapted it now? Which you did the whole thing to, in two parts. Well, I only got to, I got didn't get asked back for part two. I was gutted. Oh, it was a separate production. It was a separate production oh. the next year. I didn't ask me back. You didn't ask. I was absolutely gutted. I did get the worst review of my professional career for oh, no. part one, so it was hard not to take it, not to assume that I was being. Assume you can quote it. Do you know what? I can't quite quote it, and I went to find it. Um, uh, but it was it was something like, uh, uh. As as King Arthur, David Tennant lacks any royalty, gravity. I mean, a list. <laughs> a list of things graces. I didn't have. <laughs> Bounty per servant. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, in part two, Rob Pickavance played me. Really? I mean, it was meant to be older, I suppose, but I still took it very personally. Oh, uh, and then God. I did Hay Fever. Oh, Hay Fever. Mm. What fun. Much more traditional rep there, but I love yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, great yeah. fun doing that. Yeah, those are fun. I mean, I guess you learn comedy chops from plays like that as well. The I beats suppose, and the yeah. timing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. no, I loved it. Um, and uh, I had a much better time during that, although I sort of, I, I definitely started to overdo it. I definitely started enjoying myself too much. Oh, really? Do you yeah. mean on stage or off? On stage. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, no, on stage. Like milking yeah. it? Milking it, right. absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay. Pulling all sorts of faces. I remember Michael McKenzie, you must know Michael McKenzie. Yes, I do, yes. He came up to me and went, when you started, you were very good. I think you're overdoing it slightly. I was like, well, all right, Michael, back okay. in the box. But he was absolutely bang on. Yeah. He was right. Did you take the note? I tried to, but I think Pandora's box was open by that stage. Was he directing or was he in it? No, he was in it. Right, oh, he just yeah. was taking you to one side. Yeah. And... I mean, he was chewing the scenery. <laughs> Let's not... Let... <laughs> takes one Let's to no one, right? Takes one to <laughs> yeah, no yeah. one. But no, he was absolutely right. And I, and I yeah... Um, and that was with him and Edith MacArthur oh. as Judith Blith, and then Judith Judith Bliss, and then a few years later we did uh, Long Day's Journey into Night together, and he played my dad. Oh, great! And that was at Dundee Rep. Oh, wow! Yeah. Okay, it's so interesting. I think as you know, as you go on, for me, it's about doing less a lot of the time, and it is to, oh, to be 100%. young is to do to do too much, isn't it? Especially when you're trying to sort of show off and go. Oh, I funny. can I can do an old coward. I know I know we gobshite for Paisley, but I can do an old coward. Yeah, look exactly. at me! Look at me! Look at me! Yeah, yeah. No, definitely, it's all about not trying so hard. That's hard though. Really difficult. You're trying not to try. Yeah, especially if you're getting laughs. You're like, oh, look at me. I should definitely do more of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I should do. What 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 will be funnier <laughs> is, is if more. I pull more faces. <laughs> That's the trap, isn't yeah, it? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And then, of course, I suppose when you start on telly, you had to learn how to do a yeah. lot less. Yeah. But how did you cope with that? I always find that weird when I do tapes, because I've not done a lot of telly. Right. When I do tapes, I always my agent always says, "What? you're not doing anything. <laughs> right. I'm trying not to do Yes, it. I know. Do you know what I mean? I know. What was that like when you started out in the telly? I don't know. You don't know. I mean, one of the first things I did was uh, playing a, a transsexual barmaid in Rab C. Nesbitt. So ah. uh, that was, there was quite a lot of face pulling there anyway, I suppose. Um, but uh, <laughs> Rab C. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, I wouldn't get cast as that these days, quite right, too. There are things that, way the things have changed. Um, mm. uh, and uh, it was, yes, I don't know. It's a bit of trial and error, isn't it? And it takes 
been rubbish a few times, probably. But I think, and you know, when Rab C or things like that started, it was earlier days of telly comedy where a lot of those people were be, would be theatre animals. First yeah, and, and there's a sort of music hall tradition to that kind of exactly. comedy, isn't there? I always think, like, me and my dad always watched Faulty Towers when I was growing yeah. up. And whenever we revisit it, we always comment on, they all must have been theatre actors. You know those bit parts yeah. in Faulty Towers, the kind of feature oh, roles yeah, in each episode? absolutely they were. They're yeah. all, like, obviously, yeah. you know, big actors that yeah. have done rep and yeah. you know, seasons here and there. and It's different now. There are people that go out of drama school and become tele actors, and yeah. that's what they do. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because there isn't as much theatre. I mean, when I graduated... Um, when did Alan say it was? Uh, <laughs> 91, I think it was. Um, there was a lot of theatre. Yeah. You know, the, the, you, had, you had Dundee Rep, you had the Musselburgh, Brunton Theatre Musselburgh, mm-hmm. you had the Sits, you had the Lyceum, you had Perth, you had uh, Pitlochry. This is just in Scotland. Mm. You had the Arches, you had Theatre About Glasgow, you had 784, you had Borderline, you had Wildcat. They were all producing stuff all the time. Yeah, that so is a So there was lot, a lot. St- and that was true across the country. Yeah. And that's just... In my lifetime as an actor, mm-hmm. that's just dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. There just there isn't the funding for it. There isn't the uh, I think there's still the audience for it. But 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 you know it was the arts council that made all these things happen. Yeah. Um, and without that funding, there just isn't there's not as much of it. So I suppose people graduate now, and there aren't all the opportunities that there were. I mean, there are all these little touring theatre companies. What were David McVicker's company called? David Vickers now is a world-class mm. opera director of the highest order. He just formed a little theatre company and, and, and took people he'd worked, been at drama school with and they took the yeah. beggar's opera around in, in a van. Um, so, you know, there were there was just lots of, there was lots of theatre work around. So that's just where you tended to start. And if you got an episode of Rabsi Nesbitt or a, if you were so blessed to get a tagger, never was in tagger. We never, are. never got a tagger. Um, Gosh, then, then you sort still of, better. I mean, <laughs> one day I'm going to reboot that shit and that'll, that'll show them. You've been the new tiger. How I'll about that? <laughs> You'll show tiger. them all. I'm coming back for them. <laughs> oh, I auditioned every for every episode. Did you? But I never got in it. Did you do a tiger? Uh, no, I never did. Yeah. I, it was uh, probably a little bit before my. Yes, it probably time. was. Yeah, because I I came out. I did contemporary theatre practice, which was. The late the dramatic studies okay. later incarnation, right. which was very performance art heavy when I right, did it. Right, right, right. So I didn't come straight out and look for a theatre job. I sort of wrote things. I did workshops. I went round to primary schools working with little ones and all different sort of a you know smorgasbord, I mm. suppose. And then in recent years, I've kind of turned and gone. I, w- I want to act. Right. So I don't have that same story. Right. Um, I may have been trying to get a target if I had come out of drama school and gone to be an actor. Yeah. Don't know if I got one, but I might have auditioned. Yeah, but I think the the equivalent now is has always been Outlander. Like oh, people oh, well, are I mean, always like, I was scale, in every year for Outlander. I never got right, right. <laughs> the yes. annual pilgrimage. Yeah, because of course Outlander. that's been a, that's been coming all for years, hasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But now there's a there's a prequel thing coming out or a spin-off, is that? and everyone and their granny is taping for that. Have you have you been have you had a call? Yeah. Have yes, you? Yes, I've had nothing, Brian. Fucking absolute abject silence on the Outlander front. I don't know, man. It's kind of you can't catch a break though, can you? I'm, I'm just. <laughs> Old yesterday's news. Still hoping for Tiger. <laughs> Alan McHugh was in it five times. Oh, here we go with Alan McHugh five again. Five times. <laughs> Jesus. Alan celebrated a thousand performances as Dame at I mean, Aberdeen that's recently. Just mental, isn't, isn't it? That amazing. Amazing. A thousand performances. The same old shtick. A same thousand times. <laughs> same jokes. Basically, yeah. yeah. A great tradition upheld. That's what it is. That's what it That's is. That's what it is. And have you done a lot of panto? No. I've done these Christmas shows. I did three. In my first three years at a drama school, I did Shin of the Magic Eight. Shin of the Magic Eight. Never to be forgotten. Never yeah. to be forgotten. All by Stuart Patterson. Yeah. I did uh, Merlin the Magnificent and the Adventures of Arthur. And that's a different Merlin from the two-part German. D- different Merlin. Right, okay. I think it was the same year, though. Wow. I think I played two very different versions of King Arthur. <laughs> In the scene, one in a German expressionist epic, (laughs) and one in a Stuart Patterson Christmas show slash pantomime. This is what we do. I know. Sometimes in those early days, you kind of look at, you take a wee snapshot of your day, don't you? And you go, is this what I, yeah, this is mad. And I was so young and keen when I did Merlin the Magnificent and the Adventures of Arthur. Um, 
that I got one of those sort of medieval pudding bowl haircuts shaved all the way around the side. Wow. So there's there's one family Christmas where the photographs I look <laughs> like I've just escaped from some sort of some sort of bedlam style asylum. But wait, are we talking about the Lyceum gave you a haircut or, or requested it? Sorry, Dundee Red. Oh no, 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 no. You just went no, and did I it. I was like, listen guys, I've I'll got it. it. I've got let an me, idea. Let me do this. No, of course I did. I love that. I was twenty, I was like, what can I do next? What can what what are gonna do to what can I do to myself for this part? Because you're going to be a chameleon. Chameleon. Chameleon, We yes. did that for Ui, but we went to a barber and we all got these really extreme kind of nasty right. haircuts. Did you get a tash? Uh, no, because at the end I pulled it off, the tash, ah, and then lucky. did the final speech without it. Um, but I did get the haircut for real and it was like a, a blunt shave up to above my ears. Right, right, right. And then, and then the rest on top and I would do like the slick side part in the end. It looked cool for the show, but yeah. the social aspect was very tricky. Tom McGovern got a Hitler moustache. Did he really? And then immediately regretted it. And then had to get exist around Glasgow for a few months for it's this. A tough one, that. Yeah. Claiming it's a chaplain. Exactly. <laughs> Never flies. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth a try, though. <laughs> yeah, I had a wee sticky one. I would put it on right. at the beginning in front of the audience. Yes. And then at the end, I would rip it off before yes, the last speech, that you makes know? makes sense. Yeah. Brecht. Exactly. Who needs a real moustache? No, it's all good. So what's what's left on the list of things that David Tennant wants to do oh, now? Oh, just getting through to the end of the day. I don't know. <laughs> I've never really had a list. Have you not really? No. Wow. It's just nice to... It, it, nice to join the jobs up. Because when you're deciding you want to be an actor, and because I decided very young, mm. you spend... All your years growing up, people going, oh, no, no, no. Oh, that's a terrible idea. Sure. No, and then, Even really, actors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, because they don't want the competition. No. We're trying to put each other off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you're discouraged by everyone. Mm. And the statistic is that 90% of actors don't work 90% of the time, whatever the latest statistic is. Whatever it is, it's terrible. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible, yeah. It's not, a, it's not a career to go into if you want any kind of security or... Yeah. or, or normal life no. uh, so you spend all your time being discouraged so so really you just want to join the jobs up you just want to be able to go no i have made i've made it yeah yeah i mean i would but I, let's not let's not grandly use the word career but it's a job and i do it and it's my job yeah and, and like when a taxi driver asks yeah you're able yeah. like i'm able to say yes i make a living yeah exactly an actor so i've never really had i mean obviously you know the it, what, what, it, things come up and you get excited about them when you don't yeah. and it's nice to be able to do something that's different from the last thing you did and and to have opportunities that feel new and exciting is of course very uh, inspiring but I it, it does just come back to that sort of who do you think you are? What's this nonsense? He jumped up, we lad. Jumped up, we yeah. yeah. So you just want to? I just want, <laughs> just still on a journey to keep proving that I can get away with it. I think that's good to hear. It's not yeah. just me then. <laughs> <laughs> and then with this project we're doing just now, you, yeah. you you have to repeat it a number of times. I know, which is something that you, I, I guess maybe you do a wee bit less of because you do quite a lot of a variation of telly and stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah. How is that at the moment? It's like a, doing yeah. it again and again. It's a different type of job, isn't it? It's a different rhythm to your day. Yeah. It's a sort of very intense burst of energy at the end of the day, rather than filming, which is going to be a long, kind of slightly, uh, uh, you know, sort of little bursts of energy. Yeah, a lot through of, the day, yeah. A lot of um, setting up and a lot of... And it's about getting it right once, mm. when all the technical aspects are right and the and the, the lighting's right and you've got that one take that then lives for eternity, whereas theatre is about recreating and keeping fresh something that you are repeating pretty loyally mm. the way you did it the night before that's it's it's a it's quite a different job really but this theater still feels like my day job i think because that's where i started right okay that so you still have that like coming work. back to it feels just... like going to work right in a good healthy yeah i feel like i'm doing good things i i feel a little bit guilty doing filming because you know people sort of run around could you want a cup of tea do you want to this? Can I get this? Here's your car. Here's a herb. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think they slightly. Uh, listen, I'm not saying I turn any of it down, but uh, but <laughs> I do feel slightly like I, I my, the Puritan in me does feel like theatres. That's how you, that's what you're supposed to do. Okay, so at least there's there's sort of discernible effort involved. There's for a those discernible effort hours. involved. There's something very because you're in a room making it happen there and then. There's something very acute about that and yeah and sort and of tangible intangible yeah yeah, yeah. I, I feel that for sure 
And I suppose, you know, the theatre is, uh, it's a great leveller, isn't it? Because we have all been just the same. Yeah. Um, and nobody's really running after any of us, I don't think. No, we're all just and chasing the mice out of the dressing room together, aren't we? I mean, it's <laughs> just not, is what it is, isn't it? I mean, yeah. There's, there's, yeah. there's not really any room for fanciness. No, no, know? there really isn't. It's not glamorous in any way. No, it's not. That's what I love about it. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's uh, it, yes, it just feels like, it feels like we're all sort of in it together, you know. Yeah, it's cool. It's mm. cool. Do you ever write or come up with, like, throw, throw ideas at people, at things I that you come up with? I don't really. I've been, I've been uh, a, a bit on the production side of a few things that I've done recently. And, uh, right. I, I like having that, that input. Right. To an extent, sure. but I'm also aware that there are people who are really good at that sort of stuff. Mm. And when, when, if you get a really good script, um, you kind of go, "Oh, this is." I mean, that's that's sort of everything. Mm. It all comes down to the writing. And when there are people who are really good at it, and you have the great honour to work on their stuff, you think, "I," it, that puts me off writing. Because why I, would I bother? Why, why try and compete? Yeah, I get that, but I keep trying as well. Listen, you you're good at it. You know what you're doing. I I just you I, have no reference for that, but thank you. Well, I've heard. Um, <laughs> I've heard things. I've heard things. <laughs> I hear it by the way, but I will send. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I I just have never felt good enough at that mm. side of it. Um, and the, the not feeling good enough thing, more broadly. I mean, how did, is that something that you deal with? You know, because I think there's a general perception, and I think it's largely true, that actors do struggle with... Imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. E you know, for me it's like big ego, low self-esteem. That's what I got from AA as well. Right, right. You know, or the piece of shit at the centre of the universe, to quote. Oh, that's good. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, do you ever have any of that stuff, or have you in the past? Um, I certainly don't. I always feel like I'm waiting to be found out. For right. sure. Uh -huh. I always feel like I'm waiting for the tap on the shoulder to go, I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's, There's been, been a, a mistake. Terrible, terrible My mistake. wife has made a mistake. Yeah. I, 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 I don't quite know what the fuck you think you're doing here. Right, okay. But uh, you seem to have managed to get your face on that poster and that is out of order. <laughs> you don't really think that. I do. I absolutely do think Gosh. that. Yeah. That's not encouraging to me. <laughs> <laughs> like that that doesn't go away. Oh, God. Yeah. No. Well, why would I think it would? It never has. No. I don't think I have low self-esteem as a human, particularly. Okay. Uh, I, do, I don't... Th but I have low self-esteem as an artist. <laughs> sure, sure. And you could argue that it's part of the... Like, we need it. It's like grist for the well, mill or something. Well, I certainly don't know what I do without it, but maybe yeah. that's just because I'm used to it. it that may, may not be, be true. Um it, it, it's like that thing of uh, I've found quite interesting on this that we're all rammed in together backstage mm. and I um, I haven't been in that situation for quite a number of years I've been in I've been in things where I've been given a nice dressing room and, and I, I was like oh god what's this going to be like yeah and actually what I think I might uh, the revelation I may have had is that if I'm left on my own for too long I can disappear up my fundament in a rather unhealthy way. <laughs> it's be worse off. And I get to a stage of kind of going, if I'm not feeling as much anxiety as I felt last night, that will somehow be problematic. And therefore I, I begin to chase anxiety, <sighs> which I think is very, is very destructive. Definitely dangerous. So there's something about being distracted by the, the, the uh, as you call it, the levelling of backstage at the Dover. Or they, where you're in somebody's armpit all the time. And the fact that there was a Kaylee going on at, uh, yeah. after the half yeah. last night. after the half. And Benny said to you, remember that thing you said about wanting to be quiet before <laughs> the show? And you went, yeah, I've given that up. <laughs> it's sort of true. You don't have to. I don't have to. I've, I, by, by necessity. But yeah. I'm, I'm also thinking, it might be healthier. It might be healthier to not be quite so self-reflective. Well, Especially said, if the reflection you get makes you worry about yourself. If it doesn't make things better. Mm, mm. I said to Ali as we were walking up to the box last night, like after the beginners, I said, isn't it weird that up to this point in the day I've given no consideration to what we're about to do? Right. I hadn't thought about right. it. Right. And he said, that's good. And I thought, is it? Oh, maybe I should worry. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you an example of, this is just an example of psychology. It's not, okay. I'm not asking you to say anything back, okay? okay? Right. 
but this is where my self-esteem can go. Uh-huh. Last night when we had a we have a tussle in the fifth act when yes. you grab my shoulder yes. and it went wrong slightly and I went, oh, and it kind of hit my neck and I went, in my head, within about a minute, I went, I wonder did I do something wrong in the scene? And then David got upset and not deliberately hurt me but like was annoyed and somehow that came out and I had to talk to myself and go, don't be so fucking stupid. But that's what my head will do to me. Oh, no, I know. I recognise that. Absolutely. It's bad, isn't it, though? Well, you were annoying in that scene. <laughs> I knew it would come out eventually. Yeah. Um, no, I still don't know what happened there because I wasn't even no, aware of it happening. But again, I know that's I don't, not why you brought that up. No, I but don't need to talk about I'm worried about that. Nah, see. fucking hell. Um, it doesn't matter. We'll but no, I know out. exactly what you mean. I know, I know exactly what you mean. I've absolutely been there. Yeah, that, and yeah. will be there again, 100%. You think I mustn't have connected properly or I've ruined their thing oh, that they were trying to do all that shit just, we're all just getting through it from one line to the next we are aren't we yeah but isn't it mad how you're yeah it, is, that it is but it's encouraging for me to hear you you've had that experience as well oh. that's what this that's why i love doing this I podcast think that's part of it yeah yeah i mean i'd worry if i'd worry if i was acting with someone who never felt like that mm, yeah it, it, it would i mean i think i probably probably have done it you may have yeah i mean there is a there is a version of an actor which which where it, it you can have a very you can be in a bubble and yeah. some very successful very well regarded very good actors can do that mm. and indeed that is their process i suppose but and i suppose not. that's kind of available to you the possibility of that you know oh i wouldn't know how to be like that no you couldn't because you're a decent person but like I can't well, I don't know. Maybe that, I mean, maybe maybe one should be. Maybe if maybe if one's Blaine Macbeth, you should be a bit. I bet I just couldn't do it. Nah, I don't be like do that. that. I think one of the things is I can't remember who it said it, but someone said, "What's it like to be you?" And it was I don't know Hopkins or De Niro or somebody. He said, "What do you think you'd be like if no one had said no to you for fifty years?" Oh God! And that made me think. Yeah. You know. So if we get yeah. a, a modicum of success, we are maybe in danger of having yeah. people being around us saying yes, absolutely, all the time. Yeah, maybe if you were more prone to that, you could turn into. Well, you could. Maniac. You can see. You can see people leaning into it, can't you? You can see mm. it happening. Oh yeah. You, you can see, particularly if you're a young actor and you're you start, um, maybe on something quite shiny. Yeah. And you get yeah. treated in a certain way. You can see how it can make people. Yeah. Go I suppose wrong. that's what's the good thing to be said for going through your paces and doing the magic ape and the running about and cycling yeah you know with the broken finger and all that doing all that three shows a day stuff yeah to kind of I guess so, galvanize yeah. you somewhat i think it's just it's just about being a decent human being though isn't it it's just about i not, think so no matter not, what really. you know everyone everyone on set and i suppose i say set rather than because as you see i think theater is a bit more we're all in it together mm. just because of the way it works but yes there is a there is a danger if you're on set you can there, there can be a sort of there's a sort of built-in hierarchy isn't there because the actors have to sort of be looked after just so it can get made and we can move on and everyone can go home yeah, there, yeah. you know but 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 if you're the center of it you can feel like oh i'm being treated as important because i'm important you're not you've been treated as important <laughs> because everyone needs you to do your job so everyone else can fuck off um just so we can get it done you know uh so it's just keeping that in mind my my um my son Ty uh, is now acting full time, mm-hmm. and everyone always says, "Oh, what's your advice?" Because if you would give anyone any advice, but the only thing we've ever, uh, you know, uh, his mum's an actor too, and the only thing, well, his grandparents are actors too, and the only thing what all of us have ever said to him is just, you know, just be nice, because mm, yeah, you know, there's there's no reason not to be. Just be aware that the person. You know, asking if you want a cup of coffee, he's doing it because it's their job, not yeah. because you deserve it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think I noticed that when you see all the the call sheet with all the cars taking people places, yeah. I realised that actually it's probably because they don't want to take the risk. No, exactly. Of you driving there or yeah. getting it wrong, basically yeah. they don't trust you, so they just put you in a car. It's often as much to do with insurance, which is only ever to do with getting it finished. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So let's get on with it. Yeah. I said that to little Casper's parents when I met them right. after press night or something. I said, he's such a nice kid. Please don't let him mm. be anything else. Yeah. Because he's just, he's a good wee guy. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Well, I've since worked with a few people who've worked with Ty, and that's the first thing they say. Ah, that's good to hear. very proud. Really good to hear. Very proud, yeah. 
Well, thanks very much for chatting to me. Oh, Brian, that was very quick. That was, was easy, wasn't it? Ugh, that's easy. It's just a laugh, isn't it? Just a wee oh, chat. Uh, yeah. Come on, we'll go to the dressing room and have a Kaylee. Right. <laughs> Prepare ourselves for Macbeth. <laughs> thanks very much. Cheers. Well, there you go. Off we went to do yet another performance of Macbeth at the Donmar Warehouse, and it was a joy to talk to David. And I'm sure you enjoyed listening to him, learning a bit more about him. I hope, I like to think that these interviews maybe go places that others don't, probably because I'm just fascinated with theatre and all the the ins and outs of it. And most uh, big commercial interviews, like maybe Graham Norton or things like that, probably don't ask things about Dundee Rep. Um, But that interests me. So there you go. Hopefully it's different to any other picture that you've got of David. But with all that said, that is about all from putting it together for 2023 that's about it and we'll see you in the new year same time same place brand new episode looking forward to it let's do another year together this is episode 344 and there's plenty more where that came from thanks very much for all your support throughout 2023 and hope you have a great christmas happy new year and uh, look forward to seeing you in the new year cheerio now (laughs) 